This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It is now 9:40 a.m. and every Wednesday the morning run presents the SNM show where uh, thank you uh, also called the stocks and markets uh, where we pull out all the stops and crack all the whips. I am Ibrahim Sani and Julian Ng is with us as well. Today's show, we have a very special guest. Uh, Dr. Suresh Ramanathan is in the studio with us. He is the independent interest rate and foreign exchange strategist. And since this is the budget season, gentlemen, and with the government planning to spend more on development expenses and perhaps even introduce measures to ease the burden of the B40 segment, uh, Dr. Suresh, what would be your initial thoughts on the budget? I think uh, the key thing here to look at is actually that once the budget is actually implemented, uh, it usually actually has a lasting effect on people's mind for about two months after it's being announced. And after that, it actually gets drowned. So a lot of the policy measures that actually announced after the budget uh, gets drowned out after a few months. So I hope this time the budget actually really doesn't get drowned out uh, and lasts there for, for the next 12 months and people actually figure that out in their mind itself. So instead of actually just expecting goodies, uh, expect actually the budget to actually have a long-lasting memory effect on yourself itself. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, people are looking forward to is the fact that um, uh, I think second finance minister recently mentioned that they want to increase on development spending and the rough ratio had always been 80-20, 80 to operational and just 20 to development, uh, which is not very logical for a con- country that's yeah. so hungry for development, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you look at uh, periods prior to the 97 crisis that we had, uh, the ratio was the other way around. 80% was going on development expenditure and 20% on operating expenditure. Mm. But over the last few years, especially after we started the year 2000 onwards, uh, the op- operating expenditure has been taking a larger chunk. Uh, the concern here is actually that the operating expenditure, even though it takes into account a subsidy, emolument, wages, uh, services, there are a couple of components that are just really disturbing. One is actually the other expenditure component, which takes up close to around 13%. And the other one being uh, debt service cost itself is running around 9%. So these are areas that can be reduced. uh, And there could be actually a reduction in that. And it's actually put back into the development expenditure. So I'm looking forward that something like that actually happens because it's the trend is actually rather disturbing that operating expenditure takes a huge amount every year in and year out. Right, uh, but, but my question also is the breakdown of the development cost. Already we know that it's 20% of the total budget. There are segments within it that is uh, particularly ominous and we don't know what is going on within those budgets as well. So do you think we will have some sort of clarity coming from the finance minister or even at least uh, you know, uh, MK2, um, uh, YB Husni will probably elaborate some on some of the items inside these costs? Yeah, I, I hope so actually. That's, that's actually being put out. But you know, on, on the parts of Domain expenditure itself, uh, some of it actually is allocated in economic and social services itself, and that gets into grants or so on uh, into the ministries itself, and then it gets filtered out to the public at large. So now, instead of that, uh, there should be an approach where the MOF actually introduces the the, the benefits of it directly to the public itself instead of going through the ministries itself because once it goes through into the ministries uh, there's a lot of filtering out and then uh, the, there's a bit of a limitation itself so it has to be a direct impact to the public itself so the mechanism that needs to be placed is that let's bypass the ministry and get to the public straight from the MOF itself that that should be the way actually if we really want to hit that that 
impact of the budget on the ground. Quickly. But there are so many competing interests, right? Because when you say uh, reduce operational expenses, uh, that may involve uh, firing of people, especially in the civil service. And then uh, that would make it not very much a very people's budget, right? People wouldn't be happy about that. Uh, no, it's, it's not about actually reduction of the operating expenditure. It's actually reduction on the components on the operating expenditure. The parts that are actually not sensitive are the other expenditures and the debt service charges. I mean, it's, it's quite sensitive you touch pensions and grants and emolument and wages. That's an area which is no-go. You don't touch the areas. But areas on uh, debt service charges uh, as well as other expenditures, that can be reduced. That doesn't involve uh, firing of people. That actually just involves and actually making through your working process a lot more efficient itself. So there's a reduction in cost debt. Uh, would the BRIM uh, ex uh, expense be considered as helping the B40 group? Because I think uh, that the BRIM has uh, needs to go through a, a bunch of uh, measures to actually measure whether or not it is uh, actually uh, successful in the long run. Uh, the way I see it, it's just expenses outright from the government into this uh, uh, group. Uh, and I don't think that we'll see some kind of sustainable action to help this B40 group. I mean, it... it, it when the BRIM started a few years ago, uh, it was it was quite nice, uh, a huge amount. Even my mom was a pensioner, she was getting it as well. Mm. So I, I was pretty happy that she was getting it. But, you know, as, as time passes by, you notice that people tend to depend on that. Uh, so that's, that's a bit of a concern. Uh, you teach him how to fish. Uh, that's the key thing here. And uh, once actually you, you indicate that actually the BRIM is actually coming to an end and we cannot give this direct assistance like this, uh, we'll give you different opportunities, then it makes sense for you to actually reduce the burden on the government itself. Uh, so it's very important that, that BRIM should not be there in perpetuity. Uh, it shouldn't be there for a long-lasting uh, period of time itself. It has to come to an end. So, I mean, I hope that this time around, actually, the government comes out of the brim. Yes, it, it hits them once, and then, uh, but it has to be indicated to the public at large that brim is not something going to be there for all the while. Yeah, so, I'm always very fascinated with this idea of the people's budget because year in, year out, we are always uh, talking about the concept of people's budget. I mean, you don't even have to know what's in the budget. Uh, you know that the comments that come after the budget, uh, people are going to say, oh yeah, this is the right gap, but right gets budget right but um, as, uh, as as the people as a, uh, citizens of the nation and, and as consumers I, I think we still need to iron out what we really want uh, because the road to financial discipline is very challenging right for instance uh, when the toll rates were raised sharply recently uh, we actually uh, were very unhappy about it but with do we we couldn't do we can't do without the toll roads right uh, yeah. it makes life a, yeah. a lot more inconvenient so what do, what do we really want uh, the government to do do we want them to have financial discipline or uh, do we want all these uh, goodies and uh, you know continue to spend out of the budget yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's always a trade-off. Uh, you know, just imagine, actually, if I was driving from Joe Baru right until to Alostar or Perlis, without a plus highway, that'll probably take me around 13 to 14 hours Yeah. Uh, without a plus highway. Yeah. Now it takes you a lot more shorter. Yes, it's, it's a bit more expensive, but that's the cost of the convenience here. Yeah. So there is a trade-off there. Uh, I'm not in favour of tolls increase, but the fact is, actually, there should have been a sort of... Uh, systematic raising of toll prices over a period of the concession itself rather than actually it increased 
last, I mean, it's been increased actually at periods which are very unexpected. So that's that's what actually hits the public at large and, mm-hmm. and becomes a concern. Uh, so that's very important. I think uh, there is also the idea of elimination of corruption we can, which can add more to the coffers of the government, uh, whether the, all these projects that are being uh, out there are done on an open tender basis so that costs to these projects can be reduced. Uh, the terms uh, to the contracts of concessions can be as uh, cost-efficient as they can be for the nation. And with budget season clearly on our mind, Dr. Suresh, what would be the impact on us continuing to spend when we are still in budget deficit? I think the, the good thing is that the, what we have noticed over the last few years is that there has been a gradual decline in the fiscal deficit itself. Uh, 3.9% in 2013 and then 3.5% in 2014 and this year's target was actually close to around like 3%, 3% and it got revised slightly higher 3.2% but it's very likely that the deficit reduction trend is there in tech. That's that's very vital. But uh, my concern or my hope is actually that a lot of the uh, operational expenditures can be reduced and put it into the development expenditure and that should actually at least maintain that deficit around like 32 to 3.5% for this year. So we need not actually blow up the fiscal deficit, uh, but we can just reallocate the expenditure part from operational to development without actually uh, affecting the macro targets itself. I can't see how the government can actually come up with an honest budget, uh, given that we have so much educational needs, so much security needs, so much housing needs, right? Uh, and at the same time, uh, trying to contain the budget within a certain uh, defi- deficit number. And I'm going to speak to uh, Fitch ratings on tomorrow's yeah. breakfast grill, right? Yeah. But I just want to get your opinion on yeah. what you think the ratings agencies will hmm. be thinking right now mm-hmm. on how Malaysia is actually managing its budget, how, how to balance that developmental needs and the need for uh, fiscal discipline. Yeah. The, the key thing to take into account is that uh, revenue has actually reduced drastically. Uh, on January 20th, the government actually had a revision to its uh, oil price target of 55 US dollars per barrel. That's right. And if you look at the last few months, uh, oil is trading a lot more lower than that. So it's very obvious that that target has to be revised again, which means the revenue that we actually obtain from this is actually going to be a lot more lower. So naturally, the, the total budget value itself would have shrunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means, again, the allocation has to be done in such a way that it doesn't hit the macro targets within that. So we are we are pretty much actually operating in an environment where the budget is equivalent to the levels where we saw in the early 2000s, uh, even pri- prior to that itself, because oil prices have actually gone up a lot more higher after that, and then it's actually come down. So it is very important that we are operating in a budget which is the early 2000s, uh, period itself. So it's it comes to a point that, you know, we just have to lower down our expectations because the key contributor to the budget itself, oil, has actually fallen. So if they manage yeah. to um, conjure up that alchemy, right, of uh, a good deficit <laughs> number and uh, increase the development, yeah, development yeah. spending, on, where, do, where do you think the ringgit would be uh, post the budget period? Yeah. Well, you know, the the Fiscal policy and on the currency markets uh, is it's actually the, the impacts are actually very indirect. Uh, but what I notice, or even actually over the last few years, is that uh, if you actually keep a trend of reduction in fiscal deficit over the years, it's quite positive for the ringgit itself. So naturally, if you do not blow up the fiscal deficit this time around, the ringgit should be actually on a steady ground. But I, I don't see actually macro factors getting affected at this point in time. I just think that the ringgit weakness is purely due to liquidity, lack of it itself. Uh, so, R- right. Yeah. So Can you, you need, elaborate more? Yeah. Why, why is that uh, lack of liquidity? If you, 
If you look at actually, uh, in the sense of portfolio flows that have come, come into the market, it's, it's actually very limited. Uh, there's no dollar inflows itself. Uh, secondly, also, actually, we noticed that you know, uh, the central bank has not reduced interest rates itself. Uh, it has actually kept rates at 3.25%. Uh, reserve requirements have not been reduced. Uh, so y- you notice there's not enough liquidity into the system itself, whether from a dollar point or from a ringgit point. Then you look at the, the evidence of this. You look at the bid and the offer prices uh, for ringgit. You look at the movements in a single day, five big figures. This is very unnatural. Uh, so those sort of factors actually tells you that there's a lack of liquidity into the system. Uh, so to do that, actually, you need to actually inject liquidity into the system. Once you do that, then you notice there's some sort of normalcy in the daily trading of the ringgit itself. Uh, mm. That at least should help reduce uh, the uncertainty. Uh, how does that happen? How do you actually inject? You, usually when you do injection of liquidity, that could come from... Uh, <coughs> bringing back portfolio flows into the economy. Uh, and but that, that's not the... That, 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 you, can't, you can't will them into coming Yeah, back. you how can't. Do, how do okay, you uh, a measure or a proposal that I've been putting out for quite some time is actually the dual currency deposits. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, we've got at least close to around half a million Malaysians working mm. in Singapore. And my proposal was actually that suggesting that you know the Malaysian banks operating in Singapore could give out actually deposit rates uh, which is actually roughly two to three percentage points above what local rates here are and providing this to non-resident Malaysians in Singapore and they can actually withdraw that amount back in KL itself mm. uh, after a period of three to six months so we are getting back that dollar inflow back again so that is where actually we could actually uh, think out of the box and to reduce the pressure on the currency itself. The other, the other solution to this is that uh, the central bank actually exerting pressure on a moral persuasion to the local treasury trading floors to compress the bid and offer spreads on the ringgit itself. As it is, it's actually north of 50 pips, which is ridiculous. It has to come to a point where it's 20 to 30 pips. Uh, so that's, that's one part of actually addressing the liquidity issue. Right, it is now uh, 9.58 a.m. Julian Ng and myself, Ibrahim Sani on the SNM show. Dr. Suresh, many thanks for sharing your views. Uh, all of us will be sitting at the edge of our seats uh, and basically watching the budget presentation on Friday. Dr. Suresh Ramanathan, independent interest rate and foreign exchange strategist. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station.